think I'm doing those eyes. <laughs> I think I'm in love. It was terrifying. The pain, the, the fear of being eaten. I was drowning at the same time. I just accepted that I was going to die. Was there a bit of fandom for you when it came on? Oh, huge. Not... And I did not try to hide. <laughs> did not try to hide at all. Out of the box with Serge Negus on FBI. Thanks to Alex Pye for the epic morning of Sydney music and culture news. If you missed anything she played, you can head to fbiradio.com to catch up on mornings or any other program here at the station. Now, have you got a sibling, like a sibling that you might bicker with a little bit over the dinner table that you might have disagreements with every now and again? My guest on the show today is someone who's had one of the most public and polarising disagreements you could really have with a sibling. The issue, should same-sex marriage be legalised? It's a big one, but... You gotta to get to know her first before you get into what that argument's really about. She is the former journalist turned City of Sydney councillor who once described herself to her party as a small L liberal and a big L lesbian. She is, of course, Christine Foster. And I do believe, Christine, that you may actually be the first ever endorsed liberal lesbian candidate. Is that true? Uh, I think I'm the first endorsed out lesbian okay. in the Liberal Party. I can't speak for anyone else that I... I mean, who knows? But uh, as to my knowledge anyway, yeah. That's yeah. pretty good. That's history, right? Well, I suppose it is in a, in a, in a very small way, Serge. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's significant, I suppose, and it, and it does show that the Liberal Party actually, you know, is uh, becoming a more and more diverse place. Uh, it's becoming a more equal place and that there are opportunities for, for hopefully more opportunities for women, but for also for women like myself who are out... Uh, lesbians. Amen to that, that's for yeah. sure. Now look, it's something like, you know, obviously people know you as your political figure, but they probably don't know too much about where you're from, your childhood. I'd really love to delve into what your childhood was like, Christine, like to paint us a picture of it. Well, it was pretty mundane, actually, Serge, I have to say. <laughs> it was pretty boring. Um, but, you know, I look back on it, when I think back on my childhood now, it it seems that it was always sunny you know it was it was like a long and when you asked me to think about some songs I almost picked uh, Long Hot Summer by Style Council because uh, when I think about my childhood it seems that it was just one long summer of playing in the bush and going to the beach Uh, we had family holidays at the Gold Coast and uh, staying right on the beach uh, at Mermaid Waters in Miami and it just they were just idyllic days I grew up on the north shore of Sydney uh, my, yeah, firstly in Chatswood and then the family, my dad built a house uh, in Kalara, in East Kalara, which is, you know, pretty suburban and, and unremarkable, but a, a very nice place to live, actually. Uh, and and when, I, when I was young, we always lived on the bush. So I seem to, you know, seem to have always been barefoot and, and, and playing, you know, in the in the margins of the National Park, uh, getting up to, to, to no good. Uh, sounds yeah. idyllic, really. Yeah, it, it really was. It, and, and I mean, it was a very happy, peaceful childhood uh, with very little conflict. I mean, I'm the youngest of four children. Um, my, my next oldest sister and I were very close. Uh, my two older siblings, it's uh, another older sister and my older oldest sibling is, is my well-known brother, Tony. Um, uh, you know, we just had a, a very pretty ordinary family life on the uh, suburban Sydney life. Who know? was the most mischievous out of all of you? Oh, well, I would say it was me. But, um, <laughs> but and I think actually probably my parents would agree. Uh, you know, you get, a lot, you get away with a, a lot more as the fourth of four children. And, and I know that myself now because I have four children myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, my youngest, 
gets away with a hell of a lot more than the eldest ever used to and he flies under the radar a, a lot the way I used to. Um, you know, by the time I was sort of into my teens, you know, mum and dad were far less fussed about, you know, where I was going on Friday, Saturday nights or even during the week and, and at what time I got home. Uh, it was it, it was pretty relaxed for me. So yeah. I, I, I give my thanks to my older brothers and sisters for, um, for for paving the way and making life easier for me when I came along. That's classic. It's funny though because my mum, my she was the, uh, you know, the younger sibling of, of four as well and with an older sister though and she got that same kind of freedom, was rebellious, but then... She found that she copped a lot from her siblings, though. Did you cop it from your siblings at all for being like the one that got to get around yeah, and look, be mischievous? Yeah, as the youngest, you always get picked on a little bit. You're a, you're a soft target, really, because um, you know you, you sort of you grow up s- slower behind everybody else. But um, no, look, uh, you know, my sister Pip, who's the next oldest to me, was a pretty good buffer actually, because she <laughs> she had her own little rebellious phase. Uh, yeah. You know, probably when I was really getting into mine, so that took a bit of the heat off. So, but I was always in trouble at school, and that and that. Was was because I was outspoken. Mm. Uh, I'm, you know, I didn't do anything majorly wrong. I didn't wag much. I used to have the old cigarette behind the behind the, the, <laughs> the church hall in the in the middle of the day, but I didn't wag. But I did talk back to the teachers. So um, you that's know, probably I, I was regularly, trait. yeah, I was regularly trait, in trouble though, at school. I think. Don't you well, it sets you up for, I guess, especially your political career. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's not bad training for being a politician. <laughs> uh, but um, you know, and I have to say, a little bit of that it seems to have rubbed off on some of my children as well. For sure. Well, look, we've got to get onto the music though, because. This obviously is a music show, and the first one you brought on for us today is—I'd—I'd I'd call it a banger, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't you reckon? <laughs> it's this is a classic. Yeah. Empire State of Mind, Alicia Keys. Absolutely. I mean, what does this song mean to you? Well, we've just come back from New York. Uh, ah, of course. <laughs> Virginia and I spent uh, a, a week or two in in New York just the week before last, and with some friends. And it's just a, an absolutely awesome song, as you say, mm. and. It's a chick song too, but it's given its association with New York uh, and the fact that we've just come back from travelling there with friends, uh, it sort of just tells me, it speaks to me of good times with, with your mates. Uh, and we've done a lot of travelling in the, in the last couple of years. It's one of the things we've decided as we get into our dotage, our older <laughs> years. Uh, Virginia would hate to hear me say that. But, uh, you know, we've, we kind of have made a conscious decision that rather than waiting till we're retired when we might be a bit too old uh, and a bit too decrepit to travel a lot, that we'll try and travel now uh, when we're still earning money and we don't have to watch our pennies quite so so carefully and, and we're younger and fitter and more able to and we've got plenty of friends that, that want to come travelling with us. So it's, it's a great travel song too, I think. But I'll be hood forever, I'm the new Sinatra And since I made it here, I can make it anywhere Yeah, they love me everywhere I used to cop in Harlem, all of my Dominicanos Right there up on Broadway, pulled me back to that McDonald's Took it to my stash spot, 560 State Street Catch me in the kitchen like a Simmons whipping pastry Cruising down A Street, off-white Lexus Driving so slow, but BK is from Texas Me, I'm out that bed stop, home of that boy Biggie Now I live on Billboard, and I brought my boys with me Say what up to Tata, still sipping my top, sitting courtside, Knicks and Nets give me high five. Nigga, I be spiked out, I could trip a referee. Tell by my attitude that I most definitely from.
with OG at a Yankee game Shit, I made the Yankee hat more famous than a Yankee can You should know I bleed blue, but I ain't a crypto But I got a gang of niggas walking with my click though Welcome to the melting pot, corners where we selling rock Africa been by the shit, home of the hip-hop Yellow cap, gypsy cap, dollar cap, holla back For foreigners it ain't fair, they act like they forgot how to end Eight million stories, out there in the naked City, it's a pity, half of y'all won't make it Me, I got a plug, special ed, I got it made If Jesus paying LeBron, I'm paying Dwayne Wade Three dice, Zelo, three card Marley Labor Day Parade, rest in peace, Bob Marley Statue of Liberty, long live the world trade Long live the king, yo, I'm from the Empire State That's So they could step out of bounds quick The sidelines is lined with casualties Who sip the life casually Then gradually become worse Don't fight the apple Eve Caught up in the in crowd Now you're in style And in the winter gets cold In vogue with your skin out City of sin It's a pity on the whim Good girls going bad The city's filled with them Mommy took a bus trip Now she got a bus out Everybody ride her Just like a bus route Hell Mary to the city You're a virgin And Jesus can't save you Life starts when the church in came here for school graduated to the highlight ball players rap stars addicted to the limelight empty in may got you feeling like a champion the city never sleeps better slip you an ambient Out of the Box and FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus and my guest here today is Liberal Councillor for the City of Sydney, Christine Foster. Now, Christine, I mean, we've just been talking about your childhood. We've been talking about, you know, basically just this idyllic, joyous, fun life that you had growing up. But I mean, at what point did you start to have questions about your sexuality? Well, it probably, to be honest, Serge, not not sort of in a very conscious way until I was into my 30s. Um, but when I look back on my life, it's it's very clear to me, and, and you know, I did do a lot of soul searching, obviously, in that period from my 30s, in particularly in, then into my 40s after I'd met Virginia and was having to make some really tough decisions about uh, about 
how my life was going to be led uh, mm. and the impact that that would have on all the people who I love. Um, you know, I look back on my life now and I, and I know that I can see that I was really falling in love with women all of my life. Um, you know, I had a series of very strong relationships uh, in, with people in my teens. Uh, I have what I now can, <coughs> can see were strong physical attractions to, to lots of the, the girls and, and the women that, uh, that I've been, uh, that I've, you know, that have been in my life. Um, but it wasn't, wasn't something that I kind of gave any, any conscious thought to. It was just there. And I didn't, I'm not a very self-analytical person. Yeah. Um, I don't sort of, I don't, try and unpick my emotions too much uh, yeah. I, I'm, I live more in the moment and I'm more a sort of a, a, a sort of an, an action person rather than an introspective person particularly so um, I didn't really analyze it uh, until of until as I say it kind of became an overwhelming thing something yeah. that did sort of jump into the sort of the, the forethought of my thinking and I couldn't couldn't not put it you know, put some thought and some some consideration into it, and obviously then I found myself in a in a pretty desperate situation because I was married, mm. um, uh, and that situation became even more desperate. Obviously, when when I met and fell in love with with Virginia, who uh, I'm planning, well, who I'm scheduled to get married to in a couple of weeks' time. Congratulations on that! <laughs> I think we've gone past the planning stage. <laughs> but, I mean, just quickly though, like. What do you think it was that meant that you were, was it purely a personal thing for you that you didn't analyse those kind of feelings and emotions at an earlier stage? Or do you think the structures around you, both in family and community, had an impact on... Oh, 100%. Decision? In fact, you know, it, it just wasn't, particularly in the in the 70s and 80s in the world that I was living in, it just, it you know, I grew up in a family that, that you know, thought that they had never met a gay person almost <laughs> um, wow. you know certainly my parents uh you know uh, sort of gay people just weren't part of of our day-to-day -day world uh you know my father was a professional man uh we're on the living on the north shore it was an, an age when a lot of people just didn't come out because they didn't feel that they could come out so uh it just it wasn't it wasn't something that I, you know, that we were. I was around. Uh, my family situation very much directed me along a path of, you know, you finish school, you go to university, you you you, you get a job, you go travelling, uh, you get a good job, you, you know, set yourself on a career, and then you get married and have children. Mm. Uh, you know, and that was pretty much the same expectation for the girls and the boys I think um, uh, and and very few people of my age deviated from that path and mm. it certainly wasn't a path that I gave any consideration to 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 deviating from at that time no and but I you know I I did get married very young I was 22 yeah. when I got married uh, after a, a whirlwind you know in terms of timing uh, romance so it, you know and again it wasn't something I over analyzed it was just what you did it's classic, isn't it? It's amazing how, yeah, I guess we can get so caught up by these sociological kind of norms that exist in society. But I mean, and then when you met Virginia, like how did things change and how did you meet Virginia? We actually met because our uh, sons, our my oldest son and her son, who's the youngest of her, younger of her two children, were at uh, preschool together and our kids were at the same Catholic primary school. So we first met 
when when the boys were at preschool and then we became friends a couple of years after that when they were were in kindergarten at primary school together um and you know it was one of those things that uh you know as soon as i met virginia i i knew we were going to be very good i could tell you know i was immediately attracted to to this you know incredibly um beautiful and outgoing and warm uh I think I described her to a, to another friend at the time as pneumatic in the sense that she's very energetic. You know, mm. she's she's got this great energy and love of life, and and you know that was immediately attractive to me. And you know, we we became friends first, uh, and you know, at some point, I'm I'm not sure when. Uh, I, it'd be difficult for me to pinpoint it. It was just something that happened. I realised that 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 I was in deeper than just friendship. And like, I mean, how did you take it from there? And how did you, I guess you got like, how did you announce this relationship to your families? Well, you know, it was, it was extremely difficult. Uh, we, we were both married um, and in what to the outside world looked to be perfectly happy marriages. Um, and, you know, what I had to tell my ex-husband, of course, was that I was in love with somebody else uh, and very deeply and passionately in love with that person um, and that ultimately that meant that I could no longer be married to him um, and that was a an extraordinarily difficult thing to do and you know of course then the the ripple effect on my four children uh, on my parents uh, on my siblings to a lesser extent was was enormous because you know uh, my family, you know, we were kind of at the centre of the extended family in the sense that uh, I was living nearby, very close to my parents. You know, it was tended to be our house where everybody gathered for, you know, on Sunday afternoons for lunch and 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 barbecues and what have you. Uh, and basically, my announcement, if you like, kind of pulled the rug out of from under everybody on on in that sense because it meant that this this family unit that had kind of become you know, pretty central to the yeah. extended family was was breaking up, and that really had very serious ripple effect uh, for everybody. Uh, and it, you know, it ha it's not been an easy journey for. Uh, has I mean, it has it come back together now? Yeah, look, largely it has. Um, uh, it's you know, everybody in any kind of marriage breakup, for whatever reason, you know, people come to terms with that. In their own time, and it, you know, at different, different paces, and you know, in in different ways, uh, and I've learned this from bitter experience, you know, from from watching people around me, you know, friends and family and loved ones. Uh, but uh, you know, I think we're we're getting to a to a pretty good place. Mm. Yeah, it's it's been it's been hard for it's been hard for me. I can't think how hard it's been for others. Uh, and I've, you know, for, for me, it's been internal. It's been a journey I've been putting myself on. You know, for others, it was inflicted upon them. So, uh, you know, I, but I just, I'm very optimistic about where we are now. And I think, uh, I think that uh, the future looks pretty good. That's fantastic to hear. I mean, I can't, yeah, coming out at any point in life is incredibly difficult. Tough. And doing so with yeah. a family and, you know, later on in life, it would have been, and then in the public eye, it would have been 
insane for you guys. And we'll look, we'll talk about that a little bit more after the break. But first, the next song you got for us, though, is God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. Why have you chosen this song? Uh, look, again, this is one of my all-time favourite songs. I mean, first of all, they, they had the good sense of using it in Love Actually. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, Love Actually is one of the, our, you know, particularly, and, and that takes me back to my, to you know, when I was still with uh, my ex-husband and our four children, it was the Christmas movie that we used to watch as a family. Uh, yeah, beautiful movie, terrific, um, you know, terrific uh, movie that I still think is the best Christmas movie ever made. But, but God only knows, I think is is the ultimate love song written by the quint the the, the eminent preeminent composer of the second half, pop composer of the second half of the last century, uh, Brian Wilson, who I think is an absolute genius. Uh, I love all of his music and this is, I think, I would have to agree with John Lennon, probably the greatest song ever written. And my guest on the show today is Liberal Councillor for the City of Sydney, Christine Foster. Now, look, before the break, we were discussing a little bit about you coming out and how difficult it was for your family. And I mean, you, generally speaking, you know, they've been, become supportive. But what was, you know, 
your brother, the former prime minister of this country, what was his reaction like? Because we're all pretty aware about what his feelings have been generally towards marriage equality. But how did he react to you coming out? Well, he uh, was actually, he and his wife Margie were the first members of my family, my extended family that I told. And um, uh, That would probably surprise a lot of people, I think. Yeah, I guess it would. But, I mean, Tony and I have always had a, a, you know, a, a pretty, we've always had a good relationship. But but I guess since we've been adults, it's been, I guess, an adult relationship. Um, And I think... We're quite similar in terms of personality type. Um, we have similar interests, you know, obviously, and um, we talk about stuff perhaps that uh, that maybe he doesn't talk with his. I'm, I'm only speculating here that he doesn't talk about with his sisters. But it's a it, it's a relationship of great trust as well, uh, and because you know the one thing that is important to Tony is family, uh, and he is probably the most loyal person I've ever met and expect to ever meet. Uh, and he will um, stand by the people that he feels that he should stand by and and family to him are the people that he must at all costs stand by. And that's pretty much how he responded to me. Um, you know, he was shocked, as all of my family members were, but he understood that I was in a very very difficult position and that I would uh, that I was making uh, feeling that I felt compelled to make some extraordinarily difficult decisions that would have great impact on on everybody uh, and he was respectful of that uh, he understood that that how difficult that was and how uh, how traumatized I was by by the situation that I found myself in and he just was supportive and just said look Chris whatever you decide you know I'll stand by it and then, I mean, moving forward, though, then you get into this situation where you're, you know, almost on opposite sides of the field when mm. it comes to the marriage equality campaign. And I mean, look, like, as a sibling, you're supposed to, you know, love your brother or sister unconditionally. But, you know, your brother, Tony Abbott, not, you know, voting yes, not supporting that campaign. I mean, that's not unconditional, is it? That love? Well, actually, I think it is. Um, uh because he loves me despite the fact that we have a fundamental difference of opinion uh, and I love him uh, despite the fact that we have a fundamental difference of opinion. And it is that. It's a, it's a, a view of one aspect of life uh, that we, you know, in which we are diametrically opposed. Uh, that doesn't make me love or respect him any less and it certainly doesn't make me res- respect, uh, lose any respect for his right to hold that opposing view to mine uh, I understand where he comes from uh, you, you know it's it for Tony I I think and you know I can't really speak for him but I think it's it's a his view is a product of his his devout Catholicism his view of history his view of how uh, Western societies have evolved to be very strong uh, family centric uh, societies that uh, you know that benefit from from having the this core relationship at its heart but I would say from my part that's why it's so fundamentally important that marriage is extended to every member of mm. the community because 
those family units are in fact the, the bedrock of society and that's what holds communities together is those very strong, committed public relationship, relationships that are acknowledged you know, by extended families, by communities. Uh, and that's why it was so important to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you take out the religious consideration, just get down to the people. Just get down to the people involved in that relationship. You know, not just the two people, but their extended families, their extended circles. You know, marriage is the greatest institution that we have as as human beings, and that's why it was so critically important, and that I'm so thankful that Australia has done the right thing and extended marriage equality to everybody. On a personal level, though, does it hurt at all that your brother? did vote no and that was not supportive of your views in, in that situation? Again, if I overanalyzed it, <laughs> <laughs> look, there, there were certainly times during the campaign that I felt quite angry uh, and negative about some of the things that that were said. Um, you know, a couple of times Tony said things that, that, that really cut pretty deeply they were kind of references to my to my family uh, and my relationship with Virginia and he didn't mean them and, and to be you know to be 100% honest I pulled him up on you on those occasions I'd say yeah. you smacked him down pretty well yeah and <laughs> um, and I and I also did did so in the public arena as well I, I made a point of of you know of of basically rebutting things that he was saying uh, in public through my public uh, channels as mm. well uh, and you know, when I pulled him up on some, you know, a couple of the things that he said uh, during the course of the campaign, he immediately acknowledged that yep, he probably stepped over a line, and that he and that those were things that he would refrain from saying again, which I appreciated. But am I angry about the fact that he voted no? No, genuinely not, Serge, because as I said, I understand where he comes from. Uh, you know, my parents voted no. But my mother is, is, is now, every time I talk to her, is telling me that she's going to be at the wedding with bells on, despite yeah. the fact that she, you know, in her perfect world, this wedding wouldn't even be happening. But um, I'll tell you, know, you what, Christine, I can't figure it out. It's nothing else. You have incredibly <laughs> tough skin because, you know, having, you know, so many members of your family not vote yes in that situation i can't even imagine how that would feel personally it's like yeah. it's disappointing there's no yeah there's no doubt about it, but i'm not angry about it and i don't mm. i don't you know i don't as i say it doesn't diminish my view of them as pe as people and as my you know beloved relatives um but uh you know it would have been much nicer from my perspective if they had voted yes but they're entitled to exercise yeah. their view and it's history now and that's you, right and you won and the world yes <laughs> <laughs> Spoils to the victor. Exactly um, right. But, uh, but it is history now and isn't it amazing how quickly everybody seems to have moved on and just taken this as, you know, as it always should have been, that this is just something that w it's, it's, a, it's a reform that won't change the world, you know. We'll still get up the, in the morning and the sun will be shining or not. Um, you, know, it'll, it, you know, it hasn't changed the world at all beyond the fact that a few more people can get married who love each other and who want to be committed to each other and want the world to know that they're committed to each other. Totally. It's a great thing. Yeah. Well, look, moving on to the music again. The next song you got for us is Wichita Lineman by Glenn Campbell. Tell us about this song and why you chose it. Yeah, Wichita Lineman, another absolutely classic song in my view and a terrific cover. Again, uh, this is Glenn Campbell, obviously, but the terrific cover from R.E.M. in 1994, which, which I also enjoy. Uh, look, 
Glenn Campbell, it probably, this is one of the sounds of my childhood and, and teenage years. As Virginia would say, I always, was always a, a nana in teenagers' clothing in terms of my musical tastes. But um, <laughs> I didn't really get into the, embrace the new age uh, punk era particularly uh, enthusiastically. But, um, uh, you know, Glenn Campbell, the Beatles, the Beach Boys, the Seekers, this was the sort of music that uh, my parents played and loved and you know you can't but help but be a little bit affected by the sort of mu musical taste that your parents uh, inflict upon you I know that you know actually my teenage kids my teenage sons particularly are pretty keen on listening to some of this music now too so sure. so I've rubbed off on them in a, in a pretty good way uh, but the witch door lime and it's just this this wistful lonely evocative uh, piece of music and I particularly remember one occasion uh, driving down the Hume Highway between Canberra and Cooma in that very dry landscape uh, in winter. We're going, I was going skiing on a one-on-one on one holiday with my father, actually. Uh, I was about 14 and we played Glen Campbell from Sydney to the, to, the, to the Snowy Mountains. And, you know, it's particularly uh, emotive for me when I listen to this music just now because my father passed away a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the fine old age of nearly 94. Uh, he had a long and happy life, but, um, you know, he's going to be very sadly missed and he is very sadly missed. And uh, this song will always remind me of that trip. I am a lineman for the county and I drive the main road Searching in the sun for another overload I hear you singing in the wire I can hear you through the wine And the Wichita lineman is still on the line I know I need a small vacation But it don't look like rain And if it snows that stretch down south won't ever For all time And the Wichita lineman Is still on the And the 
Deutsche Tauleinmann is still on the listening to Out of the Box and FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus. My guest today is Liberal Councillor for the City of Sydney, Christine Foster. Now, something that I want to ask you about is that, you know, being a Liberal, right, there is a common stereotype, particularly within, you know, the City of Sydney, I might add, that, you know, Liberal voters and Liberal politicians are predominantly white, um, you know, don't care too much about minority groups. Like, this is a stereotype, very heavy stereotype. But here you are, as a queer woman, you know, who's worked in a number of different organisations for people that are disadvantaged, done all of this work that, you know, on a stereotypical level is not associated with the Liberal Party in many ways by the media, I must say. I guess for you, you know, you can't be labelled as that stereotype at all. How do you then go about trying to campaign and trying to change people's perceptions on that idea? You know, especially in a place like the city of Sydney. Mm, well, I mean, there is good Liberal support, solid Liberal support in the city of Sydney. Um you know, it's it's by no means uh, a liberal area, but it, you know the, the the usual vote in federal and state elections is about thirty percent. So um, you know that's a that's a solid base, and there certainly I think the demographics in the city of Sydney are changing quite quickly, uh, and that I'm I'm hopeful uh, with you know the right liberal candidates in this in this area, and and with candidates who you know. Are working hard, who are uh, representative of the community here, that uh, you know the liberal vote here will only increase. Uh, I'm very optimistic about that. Um, yeah, look, you're right. Uh, although you know, I'd have to dispute it. Um, I think that I mean the proportion of of gay, mostly gay men, to be fair, uh, involved in the in the Liberal Party in the city of Sydney is enormous. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's um, you know it's, we're we're very well represented uh, in this part of the world in terms of the the Liberal Party, but um, it's it is a you know it's a wonderful electorate. It's it's been one of the greatest joys of my life to have been elected as a, a local councillor in the city of Sydney. Uh, it's it's a wonderful community. It's obviously it's the economic engine room of the country, uh, which means it's incredibly important as our global city. So there are lots of issues that that need to be that need to be you know that council needs to be right on top of. Um, and in terms of your ability as a local councillor to actually have an impact on the day to day lives of of the people who you represent, it's phenomenal and it's mm. the most rewarding thing because you really can. I mean, you know, local government is the level of government which is close to people's lives. It's about you know getting their garbage collected. It's about whether their footpaths are uh, are up to scratch. It's whether they can park their car uh, in their in their in their in their neighbourhood streets. Uh, it's all that sort of stuff which really has a, a significant impact on people's lives. It's whether you know you know they have enough parks, enough open space, uh, whether they have access to the sort of services like libraries and swimming pools that everybody needs. That's what local government's about and that's what you're, you're really delivering for people and it's very rewarding. Is it that what you want to do forever? What are your political aspirations? Well, for the moment, I'm very much committed to local government. Uh, you know, that said, I mean, if, if, if I came to a point 
uh, in the future where I thought I'd achieved everything that I could in local government, of course I would look to see if there are other opportunities. Uh, and if somebody presented another opportunity to me, I'd always consider it. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm that type of personality. I, I'm not the, the type to die wondering. But uh, you know, in all honesty, at the moment I'm focused on on the city of Sydney. I lost the Lord Merrilty uh, in 2016 to to Clover Moore, who's obviously a very well entrenched and very well known and well respected incumbent, and 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 has all the advantages of being the incumbent. Um, but I, you know, I was I came second, albeit a distant second. Uh, <laughs> so I would love love to be to be given the opportunity to turn that around in the next election in 2020. Uh, and ha have another crack at, at, at becoming the Lord Mayor of Sydney. Because in my view, Serge, to be honest, to be the Lord Mayor of Sydney would be the greatest job in the world. This is the best city on earth. Uh, it has the greatest potential. Uh, and I would absolutely love to be given an opportunity to, to have a really significant influence on how this city grows and prospers and flourishes in the next couple of years. There was word at the end of the last year though that you would uh, potentially run for a state election as well with the election coming up this year. Is that still on the cards for you? Look, uh, there hasn't been any opportunity arise. Uh, so, uh, you know, until an opportunity did arise. I mean, look, I won't lie. I've, I, I'm interested in state politics because state government deals with the same sort of portfolios that local government does. Roads, transport, education, you know, those the health, those those portfolios, there's a, an awful lot of crossover. So, you know, and I'm interested in all those areas, planning, um, development. Uh, so if an opportunity arose, I would certainly consider it. But I'd, I'd have to, to, to jump into that now, I'd have to be really certain that I had achieved what I could in local government in the city of Sydney. Uh, and I'm not thinking that at the moment, so... This is obviously an absurd hypothetical, but is there ever a chance that we'll see you and Tony sitting next to each other in Parliament? Well, oh, look, I'd love to say <laughs> yes. Uh, I have a slight problem, though. I've got a British passport. I'm a dual citizen. So, oh, I, but okay, I, so you'd so have to renounce I, yeah, well, he, well, he was born in England, mm. uh, and he renounced before he was uh, elected in 1993. And I've actually got the uh, the renunciation papers sitting on my desk at home, but I haven't had a chance to yeah, get around. You still to... want to go travelling and stuff, don't you? you yeah, want to, you want to use that to your advantage. Yeah, well, actually, all of my four children, um, all of my four children have British passports, which is a real advantage because mm. it means you can go to Europe and work anywhere um, or at least you used to be able to I'm not sure how the rules are going to change after the, after brexit but um, yeah it's a it's a great asset to have a British passport and I do feel a bit um, you know I'm, I'm not terribly quite aligned yet with the idea of renouncing it because I've had it forever <laughs> uh, a British passport but I'm going to and that would then perhaps you know you never know a federal opportunity might come up and as I say, I'm not the type to die wandering. So if, if an opportunity came up and, and I thought I would enjoy the challenge, I'd be there. For sure. Well, I'd, <laughs> I, I like the idea of it. I'd love to see that happen down the line. <laughs> now, look, uh, moving on to the music again, the next song you got for us is Happy Days by Judy Garland and Barbara Streisand. Why would you bring this song on? Happy Days. Uh, it's actually... Uh, it, it, well, I don't know if you've ever seen the film clip of this uh, of this song. It, it's something that cir it circulates pretty regularly around my Facebook page, and probably because I keep reposting it. But um, it's an absolutely stunning film clip of. Well, I think it was dates from about 1963. It's this gorgeous young Barbara Streisand, and 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 obviously, I think um, quite. Um, 
flirtatious and I think slightly intimidated uh, Judy Garland, <laughs> showing her nerves, sing, sitting down and doing a duet with this just extraordinary singer, Barbara Streisand. But uh, it is a really, I mean, happy days are here again. It pretty much sums up how I'm feeling at the moment. I'm just about to get married. Um, you know, I think that this year is 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 going, 2018 is going to be a great year for, for me and Virginia and for my kids. Uh, and and also for my for my work, my work in the city of Sydney, I've got plans to really focus on some grassroots campaigns that really cut through to the the, the issues that that impact the residents and the businesses in the city. And so I'm feeling very optimistic. As I say, I know Virginia and I are going to have a great year. We have going to we're plan we're we're you know all systems go on this wedding. Uh, it's a bit stressful in terms of the planning uh, stages, but I know it's going to be a fantastic day, and it's going to be the start of a new a new era, a new life for us, a new period in our lives that um, is really exciting. And this is a song that I'm going to sing with one of my friends at no way. the after party. Oh my god! <laughs> I've been pra- That's why my voice is croaky. I was practicing yesterday Practicing afternoon. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I hope you film it or do something. I'd love to see that. That'll be an absolute. Cracker. You've got a scoop there. When's this going? To, when's this going to air? <laughs> this is going to air on Thursday, so it'll be, it'll be on air very Rats, soon. So I shouldn't you'll, have you'll, said that. Yeah, you'll have uh, you'll have the, all the all the magazines following you up and hitting you up and wanting to get involved. It's quite a challenging duet to sing, I have to say. But luckily, the the person I'm singing it with, and I'll, I'll keep I'll keep that name it's under not wraps. Tony, is it? No, it's not. He can't, he he can't sing for toffee. My father used to used to think that he could sing because he had a role in one of the year five musicals at his school or something. But Tony cannot sing. He's the world's worst karaoke. <laughs> I, of course, am semi-professional um, uh, in contrast. But, uh, yeah, so uh, we were practising this uh, and the, the person I'm singing it with is a professional singer. And... Uh, even they admit that it's a pretty challenging um, piece, but I've given them the harder part to do, so nice. <laughs> I'm doing the easy one. Perfect. <laughs> As the semi-professional, I, I claim that prerogative. <laughs> Forget your troubles. Happy day. Get happy, I hear again a sky cares above a clear again. Shout hallelujah. So let's sing the song. Come on, get happy, cheer again. Get ready happy days are here again. The sun is shining.
You've been listening to Out of the Box and FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus. My guest today has been Liberal Councillor for the City of Sydney, Christine Falstar. Now, look, like we've said, congrats to you before because you are getting married after what was a very monumentous push for marriage equality that you were heavily involved in. I mean, were there any points, though, where you felt like, oh, God, maybe this won't happen? Mm. I wasn't feeling 100% confident on the morning of the the vote being announced on November 15th. But I knew in my heart of hearts that all the signals were that we were going to get it through. The reality is that the polling had been really good for three, four years in the run-up to the the postal survey. Uh, So that gave everybody in the in the yes campaign i think a, a, a small measure of comfort that you know it was a, there for us to lose as opposed to um you know uh, as opposed to the other side who really had to pull out all the stops to win so um it it was a very long and arduous campaign there's no doubt about that uh and there were some absolute heroes involved in the campaign um People like uh, Tiernan Brady, Magda Zabansky, uh, Daniel Kowalski, uh, Ian Thorpe, you know, on the on the sort of the that side, and and you know, people like uh, Alex Greenwich, um, Karen Phelps, um, you know, in this in the local Sydney scene, and then. You know, un- unsung heroes in the Liberal Party, Dean Smith, Senator Dean Smith mm. and Warren Ench from Queensland who, you know, without those two men, this change would not have happened. Mm. Uh, you know, they were the standard bearers within the Liberal Party yeah. uh, who saw this through. Dean Smith in particular who put together the legislation, uh, you know, he ne- he deserves a knighthood if we still, <laughs> if we still gave them out. <laughs> That would be very funny if he got a knighthood if it still existed because I wonder how Tony would think of that. That'd be yeah, I'm sure he'd be all in oh favour of it. Oh my god, that is insane. Well, look, it's it's we've, oh, look. That's unfortunately all we've got time for, Christine. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. We've got the chance for one last track, but quickly as well. Obviously, just want to quickly tell me what are you going to do with the wedding? Where's it? Like you know, like is the whole family going to be there? Tony's going to be there. Are you having lots of people? Are you happy with the whole wedding celebration stuff? What have you got? Well, celebrated? look, it's it's still in it's still in the works a lot of it but is it only a couple of weeks away? yeah it is a couple of weeks but i mean it's it's all ha- it's all coming together i mean all of my family's been invited so uh, and i'm not managing virginia and i aren't managing the rsvp list so a friend of ours is doing that so i don't know which ones of them have said yes or no yet oh, wow. Um, wow. i'm hoping they all have um <laughs> but uh they're all invited uh and uh virginia's family obviously invited we've got a lot of friends it's pretty it's turned out to be pretty big bigger than we were expecting it to be it's going to be it's in sydney it's in a beautiful venue overlooking the botanic gardens and uh the opera house and the harbour of course uh it's a cocktail party we've got uh, bob down coming to sing nice. um he he's he he's been roped in for a couple of years we bought him in a charity auction uh, bobby goldsmith <laughs> charity auction about three years ago and it, and it was supposed to be what we actually bought was bob down coming to your house to sing at a dinner party or something <laughs> and we said to him bob sorry we're going to just we're going to have to put you on ice until we get married and we want you to come and sing it at the wedding and so he's coming which is lovely we've got Sounds another fantastic. we've got another another great friend of ours Greg Gould who's singing who's 
I won't give it away, but he's singing one of the songs that we've played today. Amazing. Uh, and, <laughs> and it's, you know, we're having a cocktail party and then we're having an after party, a couple of after parties probably. <laughs> uh, one at Stonewall for sure. And nice. uh, we're having a, a big girls' lunch recovery on the Saturday. So Fantastic. Mm. Well, congratulations to you and Virginia again. Like really sincerely from us here at FBI, everyone I'm sure is very stoked that this is happening for you after such a well and hard fought battle. Congratulations Thank you. again for me as well. And uh, we're going to take it out with uh, Do You Believe in Love by Sher, right? Absolutely. Fantastic. Of course. Well, big thanks to my producer, Nicole DiPaolo. And uh, I'll be back next week. Ciao.